Hi, I'm Kaylee Moore. And I'm Emma Samasco. Welcome to Freelance Writing Coach, your go-to podcast for building a freelance writing business. In each 20-minute episode, we'll do a deep dive into one area of business with the hope that our insights as successful freelance writers will educate and inspire you. Writing online is a career fast track, but with over 203 million freelance writers worldwide, it's easy to get lost in the pack. So how can you stand out? Peak Freelance gives you the tools to find better clients, raise your rates, and focus on doing work you enjoy. Access a supportive community of like-minded freelancers and experienced writers who make a living writing. All Access members unlock a library of resources, templates, and interviews with content pros like me to grow and scale your business. There's never been a better time to invest in your freelance writing business. So are you ready to take the leap? If so, visit peakfreelance.com membership and use the code FWC10 to get 10% off an all access membership. Right. So one of the questions we have had come up recently in coaching conversations and across social media is in relation to long-term clients, retainers versus one-offs. So basically like which type of client relationship is right for you? And of course, this answer is going to be different for every single person because everybody has different needs and wants and is going for different things with their freelance writing career. So I think what we want to do in this episode is just kind of cover the basis and talk about what are the pros and cons of the different types of ways you can structure your working relationships, what are some of the things to be mindful of, what are our experiences with the different ways you can kind of package projects and and working relationships with clients. So the first question I want to pose to you, Emma, is how do you choose between freelancing within the context of like a one-off project versus a long-term contract or a retainer or like a, like a six month agreement. So I want to, I want to hear from you on that. Yeah. So I agree with you that everyone's perspective is different on this and it depends a lot on your sort of risk tolerance, what you like, how much sort of stability and security you crave. For me, like I really like novelty. So that means like I love working with new clients. I'm very comfortable doing one-off projects. I think also like it depends a little bit on the services offered. So for me, when I do case studies, often a client might need 10 case studies, but they might not need ongoing case studies forever, or at least that's not what they're sort of hiring me for. Maybe maybe they need them when a client, when a customer of theirs comes up and it seems like a good opportunity for a case study. So they sort of hire me, not like, like one-off to do the case studies as opposed to doing a package. I think there's different ways of structuring that. But all that's to say is like, I feel like that kind of work lends itself well to doing kind of one-off stuff. I think for me, the novelty is like a big part of it. So like when people talk about locking a client into a 12-month contract, which they want to do for their own sort of income security and their business projections and all of that, like I start to feel a little bit claustrophobic because it just sounds like too long of a commitment to me. But I can see how that it it works well for other people. How about you? Like how do you think about how you sort of structure it? I think you probably have more long-term stuff than I do maybe just because I really love kind of one-off stuff. Yeah. But yeah, how do you think about it? 
So for me, I mostly do blog content, which means that I really value working with the same people over and over again, because it is kind of a long-term relationship type of project in that you want to get really familiar with the style guide for the client. You want to know like what they're going for with their material. You really just, you want to have that recurring relationship because if you're starting one-off projects all the time, you're spending a lot more time with like onboarding and like just getting up to speed for clients. The onboarding is a big deal, right? Like I have considered even charging like an onboarding fee or calling it like a strategy fee with a new client because of that, right? Like I bake it into my case study prices because I have to understand their product, but that's a really good point about the onboarding. Yeah. So for me, it's like an efficiency thing, right? Like I don't, I don't want to have to do all of that over and over. I want to work with the same people and get really comfortable with their projects. And so I have like a really small, close knit group of people that I work with. Usually like I work with them for years, which is amazing and, and kind of a testament to like maintaining quality control, because as long as you do that and you have a good working relationship, I feel like you can kind of do that indefinitely really until their needs change. Yeah. But yeah, so for me, I also like novelty, but in this context, I feel like the longer term partnerships just make a lot of sense. Yeah. So I'm curious about like how you structure it. So the way that I think about it is like I often, when I say like I do a lot of one-off projects, that doesn't mean I have a lot of one-off clients. It means for me that I'm not asking anyone to do like a long-term contract. I'm like, you can basically come to me, get at, get whatever you need a la carte. If you need two blog articles this month and seven next month, like as long as I, as I think I have the bandwidth for it, like I'll do it. Right. And I'll just charge you for whatever it was that month. But lots of people are like, I, they have like some, a, a, a stricter, contract or relationship, right? Where they were like, we do, I'll do two blog articles per month for you all year. And if you don't take advantage of those articles within the month, you're still getting billed for it. How do you tackle that part of it? Yeah. So for me, I, so I have like a monthly minimum that I require. I also charge per word just because that's the easiest way I found to scope projects. So for me, it's, I just want to make sure that the people I'm working with are not where I'm not doing like one assignment for them. If, if we're going to work together, I want it to be, you know, a sizable workload just to keep the momentum going. And so instituting that minimum has been really helpful. Is it really high? Like, is it like the equivalent of three blog articles that that monthly minimum is? Like, how do you, yeah. you know, it has to sort of encapsulate more than just like one thing, right? Yeah. So for me, I set it at 3000 right now. I'm thinking about $3,000 is like the minimum engagement for me, like to get on my schedule. So basically okay, the reason okay, okay. I picked that number was because I was like, okay, that's the price point that I feel like is enough to, to like give that person a slot on my schedule. If it's going to be less than that, and if it's going to be a smaller project then I'm happy to refer it out to somebody else. But if it's somebody who wants to work with me on a regular basis on a sizable amount of projects that I felt like for me was the ground floor for you know, just booking with me. And do you put a time frame on it? Like they have to do that within like month. the first so four month week period. Yeah. Four in weeks. a four week period. So you're yeah. sort of like, okay, maybe that's three blog articles in your case or whatever it may be, right. Depends on how long they're going to be, but if you're charging per word and then after that initial engagement, can they sort of then pick and choose how much they want? Because you've already sort of, I don't know, you, you've already been paid enough by them to know they're kind of 
you've already been compensated enough to get up to speed on where they're at? Or do you continue to require that monthly minimum as yeah, you move forward? I, can, I continue it. So it's not a contract okay. where they're locked in with me for like three, six, 12 months. It's just, if you want to work with me again next month, you know, it's going to be another $3,000 minimum. Okay. So that's just kind of the running theme. Okay. Awesome. This is, this is great because it's making me think, I feel like a lot of times we have these conversations and like, we kind of know it about each other and the other, the way the other person's doing it, but I don't have a sense of how you do this. I have sort of had a project minimum where I'm like, where it's less, it's like $1,500 and it doesn't have kind of a monthly minimum. But I think, again, this is kind of where I like the novelty. So if someone wants to hire me to do one blog article, let's say, or one op-ed and it's $1,500, like a $1,500 minimum, I'm willing to jump in. And if it doesn't go anywhere after that, because sometimes it doesn't. I think, I think one thing that I'm conscious of is like, I feel like I really want to test somebody out before making any kind of commitment. Like even a, you know, like if a $3,000 minimum means that I'm on the hook for, I don't know, five blog posts, I don't know, whatever it would be. Then I start to be like, Ooh, what if I don't like writing them? And I think I'm just like a little bit allergic to commitment when it comes to some of these things. And I, I do have long-term clients. I just but you're making me think there's probably an in-between because I don't think what you're doing is locking someone into 12 months at a certain rate. You're just kind of putting forth some guidelines so that you're like, it's worth your time. I mean, I think that's, I think that's what it's, it's actually all about is like, regardless of whether you have one client for 12 months or you have tons of one-offs, it's kind of like what makes these things worth, worth your time, right? Right. And the reason I kind of started doing this was I heard other writers talking about on social media how they had like a booking fee almost. So even if they were busy, you know, you could get in with them by paying a deposit of X amount of dollars and and have a slot in their schedule. And so while I don't work that far out, I thought that idea of like a ground floor minimum made a lot of sense. And so with all the random requests that I get in my inbox for new clients and stuff like that, it's also a good filtering mechanism. Like, are you willing to pay that amount? And that to me, yes or no, is an indicator of how much budget they have to spend. Yeah, totally. I think another thing that that's make that's reminding me of is also like rush fees, which that doesn't have to do necessarily with long-term clients or one-offs or whatever, but it's like if someone wants to get on your schedule, like they don't, they shouldn't necessarily just have access to it. So if a one-off project comes up and you want to do it and they have a very fast turnaround time, then charging a rush fee makes sense. I think my current rush fee is 20 or 25% of the total cost of whatever it is. And I sort of, that's anything that somebody wants within one or two weeks. I can't remember exactly what, what I, what I say to people, but whatever it is, you could, you could kind of come up with that. I do think that it's worth maybe touching on the benefits of like a longer term contract that is more extensive than just doing like, let's say the two blog articles per month example that we're coming up with. Because I've seen a lot of companies have like a freelance writer contract role where it's often hourly, like maybe 20, 30 hours a week, something like that. Usually it's in the 15 to 30 hour range. It's usually being much more enmeshed in the team and it's much more like being a full-time employee. And I think there are pros and cons to that, which are worth discussing as well. Like I think the pro is 
It does give you a lot of stability while retaining some of your autonomy so they don't have to be the only client that you're taking on. I think the other benefit of that is that you can do a ton of different types of work and learn a lot in a contract like that. So like rather than just doing blog articles, which is the example that we're using, maybe that client has you doing blog articles and they're having you write an email newsletter and they're having you write their social media copy and they're having you kind of jump in and write all kinds of things because you're more like an employee that can take on all kinds of of that stuff. And I think the con of that is that there's two major cons I see. The first con is that you're a lot like an employee, but without all the benefits of being an employee. So like some of the best parts of being an employee are having benefits like health insurance, 401k, all that kind of like companies now are offering student loan forgiveness, like all kinds of stuff, right? So you don't get those, those benefits. And I, I think that's like a pretty substantial thing because, because they're worth a lot. And then the second thing I think is that you get trapped into doing all of this work for one client or one contract, and it doesn't allow you to grow or expand your business in new directions. And I think for some people, that's not a priority, right? But for others, like that kind of contract retainer can hold them back. Yeah. So when I first started freelance writing full-time, I had two long-term retainers, which was great for me because I wanted the stability of, of knowing that I had like a base income. They were both 12-month contracts. But with time, I found what you said to be really true. I really kind of was playing the employee role with none of the added benefits. And so while I loved being able to count on that money every month, after a few years of doing it, it was just like, this has the scope of this project has gone way out of control. I'm starting to resent these projects. I no longer want to do this type of work. And so I eventually had to let them go. And so I think there is a time and a place for them, especially if you're in a, you're in a spot in your life where you want the stability of knowing that you have recurring revenue. But I think it's something you have to watch really closely and kind of evaluate on a, on a semi-regular basis to be like, is, is this still the direction I want to go with my business? Is the money that I'm getting every month, is it worth what I'm doing? And that's a tough, tough question to answer. I feel like most of the time because the money and the security is very appealing so it's really hard to turn that away. Yeah. And I think I, it's funny because I think that a lot of the people that really like doing those, those contracts over and over again, like I have a friend, it's actually a, my, one of my friend's moms, she is a copywriter and she was always kind of freelance, but she got in with some agency who would like put her out to like really big name companies. Like I feel like she worked for like TJ Maxx and like, uh, like, like kind of big brands. And she might be hired for three months to, to do some kind of a project. And I, the, the impression I got from her was like, number one, she probably wouldn't be a listener of this podcast, not because she, (laughs) she wouldn't like it, but I don't think that she sort of felt like oh, my, this is like a freelance writing business. I feel like she was like, oh, it's kind of my job to do these contracts. And I like the flexibility of the contract work. I'm just not sure she would think of it in the same way that we think of it. Not that that's bad, but it's just an observation. But she loved it. Like the benefits that she got out of it were she didn't have to manage all the aspects, all the business building aspects that we talk about. Like she wasn't thinking about like contracts and marketing herself and finding clients and all of these other things because she was able to go into these contracts. And for people that like just want to do the work, like I think that's enough and there's there's nothing to knock there, you know? Yeah. 
I think one of the things to be really mindful of with these with these opportunities for like pricing and packaging your services is that you never want to jump into a retainer or like a long-term contract. We're talking like longer than three to six months without first doing a one-off project with them, right? Because you want to make sure that you enjoy working with them, that you like the type of work, you're good with the communication style. And so sometimes you get people who reach out and they're like, hey, we're looking for somebody to do a project over the next six months or so. And the dollar amount sounds amazing, but what can happen when you commit to something of that scale too quickly is you get locked into something that you end up thinking, oh my gosh, like, what have I done? And I've been there. I'm sure you have too. Yeah, I I have. Although I've heard more stories from others about people that have been there who were like, I went into this really high value contract. It seems like it was going to be great. I really needed the money. And then like, I was bending over backwards. I was in meetings all every day of the week. Like it's, it's hard in those relationships too, to maintain boundaries because if you're working like a 30 hour contract with someone like, and they want you to be in a meeting, like that's not an unreasonable expectation on their part. It's you, you kind of lose that control, but it's also nice to be taken care of by someone else. I think we should, right? Like it's, it's nice to have someone else being, being like, I don't know, maternal, paternal. Yeah. Oh, I think maybe we should talk about sort of like the pros and cons of the one-offs too, which we've talked about a little bit. Like I think the biggest pro of doing one-offs is variety and novelty. And the fact that like you can get experience doing lots of stuff, you can meet more people. It's always like fresh and exciting. Even if like I find for myself, like I do case studies, long form content, a little bit of web copy and like I love working with lots of different clients because even if I'm providing the same services, like I, I, it feels fresh to me. And that's like a really important value in my business. But I think the downside is like, like predicting revenue, I think is more difficult for me than for other freelancers. I I think it's like widely variable compared to, (laughs) compared to some other people. Because if you know, like even for you, Kaylee, when you're talking about that, well, I have, you know, X number of clients who pay a $3,000 minimum each month. You're like, okay, well, I know I'm guaranteed if I have three clients to make $9,000 per month. Like that means, you know, my mortgage is getting paid and my dog is getting his food and whatever else needs to happen. For me, it's much more, it's more erratic. And that doesn't mean that I can't feed my cats or pay the bills or whatever. It just means I have to be like a little bit more, I have to plan a little bit on the other end where if I have a really good month, make sure that I'm saving that appropriately and setting up, up some good systems there. And it's making me, I don't know. I think that's like a pretty substantial downside to just sort of like not know how much money you're going to make. Yeah. And I, I mean, I feel like that's a lot of freelancing though. Even with the minimums that I enforce, like I can't guarantee that I'm ever going to make a certain amount every month. It's more of just a you don't think, you don't think like, uh, no, because I feel like content needs are so variable. Sometimes people have a bunch of projects they want to work on and then they want to take a break for a while. So I, it's still not super predictable. And so another thing that I've done that I've added into the mix is like month long offerings for consulting where it's not a long-term contract. Um, that offer is on the table, but what I do offer is like a one month 15 hours of my time where I'll be like an interim content marketing lead for a company. And so the scale is really small. It's not like they can pull me in to be like the editor in chief, but I can be a training wheels of sorts for like a new marketing hire as they're getting up to speed, stuff like that. 
So again, I think that kind of makes the case for diversifying the mix of projects that you do so that even if there is, and there probably will be 99% of the time, that variability, you have different revenue streams that keep you busy and keep, like you said, keep your dog fed, keep your house paid off, stuff like that. Yeah. No, that's interesting that you say that even for you, it's like not totally secure. And I feel like for some people, like I I have a good friend who's um, like an SEO and growth consultant. He is incredibly talented. If anyone uh, needs an SEO consultant, he is the person. But he definitely structures his business more with long-term contracts. So like, I think the mix he kind of has is like, he might have two or three clients that have him as kind of like their SEO consultant that are booked into like maybe a six or 12 month thing where like they're paying him some amount per month. That is pretty guaranteed. The contract states that is true. Like it can be canceled, but it needs 60 days notice. Like it's not sort of like this monthly minimum, like we're talking about, it's a real contract. Right. And so he has that. And then he'll do like one off, maybe like an SEO audit, right? Like His services are different from what we offer, but he might do like an SEO audit, which is kind of a one-off. And he is working on building his own like proprietary business, like not a service-based business, like a software business, something like that. And he very deliberately leaves time to work on that too. So yeah, but like the way that he, and he's somebody who I feel like is much more risk averse than me, like just as a, as a human being. And so I think that that model works for him because he's like, okay, I know I'm guaranteed. I think he does feel like he's guaranteed a certain amount per month. And even so he will sometimes contact me and being like, this contract is ending. I don't have another one coming up. Like, Ah, right. Cause we all have those moments. Like I don't think any freelancer or consultant can escape the sort of feast or famine feeling. I feel like for him, like this is another personality aspect of it, which is like, how good are you at like, how like full is your lead pipeline? Like, I feel like I always have, I, I, I very often have projects coming in. I have new leads coming in. I feel like for him, and I can't speak for him, but like from my observation, like maybe his model is like, he's like excellent at like doing sales and making a sale, but having all of those leads come in and the the well-qualified leads, I think he has fewer than I do. And I think some of that is the nature of his work. Some of it may be like his personality and where he is in his business. Like he's much less extroverted than me. And I'm like talking all about this one person. Like I'm really using him as like a, as a, like a fake example. It's not really all about him. Right. But it's just, I'm, my point is, is that like, what is your personality? Right. Like if you feel like you have like this ama- amazing amount of leads coming in, then like maybe it doesn't make as much sense to have like some kind of long-term thing. Whereas if you feel like the leads are few and far between and when you catch a fish, you really need to like make the best possible meal, so to speak, then maybe that longer term contractor arrangement makes more sense for you. Yeah. I think just to kind of wrap things up, it's, it's almost like investing, you know, you want to diversify your projects. Like you don't want to put all of your eggs in one basket with investing. So I don't think that there's one size fits all for if you should have all, all, you know, retainer contracts or all one-off projects. I think it's usually a mix. And then you can throw in the diversification of like productized services or digital products or, you know, audits or different things like that. So having a good mix, I think is kind of a healthy business model. 
Yeah, I think I think having a mix is, is a healthy business model as well. And that that sort of protects you, future proofs you against whatever is going to come. It's not just true for how you structure the relationships with your clients, but it's also true for even like the services you offering services you offer. Like it's good to offer like a couple or a few different things or experiment, right? Right. As you grow. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Freelance Writing Coach Podcast. If you want more tips, tricks, and resources for building your business, visit freelancewritingcoachpodcast.com.